When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I am Ben Bowen. Scott, today we're going to talk about cafe. Cafe. Fantastic. I love cafes. You get little tables outside. You maybe get a little uh, iced tea, something like that. You sit out in the sunshine, watch people go by. Fair enough. Uh, We're also going to talk about corporate average fuel economy. Oh, I figured you were going to pull some kind of trick like that on me. I'm sorry. That's all right. I know about cafe standards as well. Mm -hmm. Now, cafe standards, of course, uh, first came in to U.S. law when Congress enacted them in 1975. Ben, you're right to business today. Am I right to business? Yeah, you weren't messing around, were you? Oh, no, man. No, okay. All right, well, let's, let's get into it then. Oh. <laughs> so 1973, that's fine. Uh, oh, uh, 1975, I've got. Oh, 1975, mm-hmm. okay. Well, the I, you know, just to set the stage for what we're going to talk about, uh, the goal of these uh, corporate average fuel economy standards was to reduce energy consumption by increasing the economy of cars and light trucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. And how's that working out for us? What a good question. That's, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of what our show is about. Yeah, we're going to kind of, uh, talk through this today because, um, you know, there, there's been a recent update. Ben. Mm-hmm. There's been a, a very recent update. In fact, um, you know, we had one and I think it was in 2009. There was a mention of a new, uh, new standard. Mm-hmm. And, um, then even just this last month has been updated. Uh, the end of July, it was updated once again, uh, with fuel standards that go all the way out through 2025. Now, what is the magic number of 2025? Oh, okay. So 2025, let's see. Uh, 2025, the magic number for this, now this is across the board, what they have, they have the average fuel economy of a manufacturer's annual fleet. So this means all vehicles produced by this, this manufacturer that fall into these two categories, cars and light trucks. Mm-hmm. 54.5 miles per gallon. Now that's average. I'm I'm being uh, I'm going to be open minded here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound skeptical. I actually want an explanation. Okay. How on earth is that going to actually happen? You, you know what, Ben? 
I honestly don't know. And I think that, you know, there's some, there's some reasons here that, uh, some of the big automakers are actually behind these numbers. You're going to hear that in some mm-hmm. of these. If you read about this, you'll find out that, you know, Ford and GM and Chrysler and, and other manufacturers, you know, that, that make vehicles that are sold here in the United States are behind this. They say, this is, this is fine. We can deal with this. Mm-hmm. There's reasons for that. Now we'll get to them later <laughs> because there's ways around this. 54.5 doesn't necessarily always mean 54.5 average. And, yeah. and that's really, really tricky, but we'll, we'll talk about that, I promise. Uh, but we're talking about a jump that goes between, you know, the current standards, which go out, or which up until the end of July, mm-hmm. went up through 2016. Uh, the average, it was, uh, the target was 35.5 miles per gallon. And, um, even that, that was, a lot of people said that's right? pretty ambitious. Yeah, because you're talking about, uh, you know, a lot of big pickup trucks that, you know, still qualify as light trucks. They're not heavy duty. They're mm-hmm. not, um, work grade, um, as far as, and I don't know if I said that right. I don't know about work grade, but heavy duty industrial type trucks. Right. Commercial those, trucks. Almost. Those don't fall into that. Yeah. But we're talking about like, you know, the F-150 from Ford. Uh, we're talking about um, minivans that companies produce. Uh, talking about big SUVs. We're talking about you know like Suburban and Tahoe mm-hmm. and all those. Um, all of those come into fa- into play and into factor here. And you know like the Hummer when it was being produced and that had like an 11 miles per gallon mm-hmm. um, average or or best rating really. Um, so you're talking about a number even at 35.5 that seemed unattainable or seems still seems unattainable by 2016. And now to 50 plus. And now we're going to 54.5. So, so how's it going to happen? What, what a good question. Um, it's going to, it, it is going to happen. This, it, this, uh, there, we're going to try to do this rather. Yeah. Almost every car manufacturer is, uh, on board with this, as you said, except for, uh, Volkswagen. Uh huh. Yeah. And I know why. Yeah. And, and Volkswagen. Actually, uh, this might be a good segue into the ins and outs of this, right? Yeah, I think so. Volkswagen hates the new standards. Actually, they do. They, uh, they've come out publicly against mm-hmm. it, you know, because what happens is that you know, companies pick sides on this thing. You know, they yeah. say, cause, you know, a lot of them have come out in favor of it, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, others have come out against it, and VW is one of the loudest against it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is still early on, so we'll find out more, you know, who is, not aligning themselves with these standards, but uh, VW says, of course, they've got to comply to it. Right. But they're saying we don't support this, and here's why: um, they say that you know, according to Volkswagen themselves, I'm reading from a blog that was posted in Autoblog. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Bowman wrote an article about VW not not enjoying these new cafe standards. Right. Um, says that they don't endorse the move, and it's because that. Um, well, vehicles face a 5% annual increase in fuel economy uh, during this time. Uh, light trucks have to attain a 3.5% annual increase. Now, that means that uh, Volkswagen, who produces mostly cars, mostly what falls into the category of cars under this, uh, mm-hmm. th- this um, legislation, they – are not getting the benefit of the, uh, you know, the, the light truck side of this that other companies are because other companies make vehicles like, um, I think I've seen one use the PT Cruiser, uh-huh. uh, minivans, of course, are the common sure. one, SUVs, but now they do make a couple. They make the Rutan and the Touareg, uh-huh. uh, which are SUVs that do follow, do fall under the light truck designation. Mm-hmm. But, um, the company, the, basically VW is saying, you know, we're not getting the benefit out of the uh, the lighter side of this. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to really adhere to this and, and adhere to it by, you know, a lot of R and D that's going to cost us a lot of money, 
And guess what that's going to do to your cost as well? I imagine it'll raise it. Yeah, that's and they, they take it a step further in yeah. their objection and say that the proposal uh, actually encourages automakers to build more large, inefficient vehicles because it helps you to get around that. Yeah, and uh, that's not an uncommon view, Ben. That's no, not an uncommon not view all, because yeah. a lot of people say, well, what, you know, what if the company decides to produce uh, 55% of their vehicles now that they that they output are going to be under this light truck designation and they're right. therefore fall under less strict um, restrictions, I guess if that's the way to say it. Yes. Um, in that, you know, they have to, they don't have to adhere to quite such a stringent mile per gallon limit. Yeah. And while we're at it, this is probably, this is probably where the listener begins to see um, do you guys see how this can have a lot of loopholes in it? And mm-hmm. we see this quite often with uh, legislation at any level. It's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to talk about the credits. Uh-huh. Here we this go. One coming. Yeah, this is from the very beginning because when we talked about this, and Ben, yeah, I want you to tell us a little bit about the credits because when you first mentioned this and we, you said, well, this is an awful tall order, this 54.5, mm-hmm. and I said – it's not really 54.5 in 2025. That's because of these credits and, and special yeah. exemptions. Yeah. So it's uh, basically here, here's how it works. You're a car manufacturer. You need a, you need to hit that magic number, that 54 number, and uh, you can't do it with the vehicles that you have. It's, no. It's just not going to work in any case. Yet. Even incrementally, because we're talking about very incremental steps up. Right. Here. And there's there's a whole formula by how they have to adhere to these, mm-hmm. but we're not going to go into that now. But it's incremental steps. But here's the thing. You don't really have to meet the standard through your vehicle's performance alone. You can earn CAFE credits to offset deficiencies in CAFE performances. So – Basically, here's how this works. Uh, when the average fuel economy of either a passenger car or a light truck uh, line or a fleet for a model year exceeds the standard, the established standard of that time, the manufacturer earns credits. So let's say uh, just for the sake of argument then the standard in you know 2008 or something – I'm making up a number. This mm-hmm. is not the standard. The standard in 2008 is 20 miles and then your fleet – get 20 miles for passenger vehicles and your fleet gets an average of 23.4 or something. You have earned a credit and the amount of credit these manufacturers earn is uh, based on the tenths of a mile per gallon by which they exceed the standard. I mean, it's, it sounds like gobbledygook, but it does make sense in what this here, what this translates to is um, a little bit of a deformation of the real cafe standards because these credit, these credits, once they're earned, can be applied to any three consecutive model years before or after the year in which the credit is earned. So what does that mean? That means that if Scott, you and I make a, you know, a crazy SUV the year before and the year after we earn a credit for our very light, super efficient you know the 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 Benjamin Mini or whatever. Sure, right. The 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 Mini Benjamin or I something. I can get behind that. Sure, yeah. why not? And um, w- what we can do then is still meet our cafe standards on our SUV or our uh, Scott and Ben Hummer, and uh, we'll be able to get over basically. I, I got to tell you, Ben, this it just sounds a, a little fishy. 
a little cook in the books is what it kind of sounds like to me, it, doesn't it? It is cook in the books. It seems that way to me, and the the reason is because you know there's there's a uh, an equation that they follow that you mentioned. You know, like a, yeah. a miles per gallon equals X number of grams of CO two expelled per mile, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this gets into the carbon and you know uh, carbon credits and the footprints and all this. Right. And honestly, you know, I without delving deep into this because of these these credits and these uh, these emissions credits and and the grams saved and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the profits and, and, and debts and these, it's all very difficult to figure out. There's a whole, uh, list of cafe credits that you can find online. If you want to, you want to find out what the credits are for vehicles like EVs, plug-in hybrids, fuel mm-hmm. cell vehicles. Um, there's full-size pickups, which oddly enough are eligible for credits. Mm-hmm. Um, there's air conditioning credits. Did you know that, Ben? I was not aware of AC yeah, that's, credits. Yeah, that's, and AC credits. Now that's, Crazy because I mean, it, does that really do anything to reduce tailpipe emissions? I, I don't know. I'm not. I I don't know how to think about this, like mm-hmm. in, the, in the right way to get this out. But um, there's also new technology. So if you have, um, you know, electric features versus uh, something that was normally run by a pump off the motor, you're going yeah, to gain. Okay. You're going to gain some credit uh, just for developing that new technology and being the first to bring it to market. So you know they're gonna they're going to. Um, reward new technology and advancements, but they're going to reward it with credits towards cafe standards so that necessarily they don't have to follow the, the standards exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be different for every manufacturer from this point forward, really. Yeah, and let me play devil's advocate here because I know obviously we're coming down and we're saying these people are cooking the books, but um, that's one side of the argument. The other side mm-hmm. is that these credits can be seen as necessary because they sort of soften the blow to the uh, company's infrastructure. Sure from retooling, and also the legislators here are attempting to build um, – this This idea of calculating CAFE standard was uh, – goes under the NHTSA, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's still a federal thing. And uh, – Yeah, it's regulated by the right. NHTSA. And what they're trying to do is arrive at an overall big-picture number, a bottom-line kind of number. Yeah, and honestly, the stated benefits of this. this is These are the benefits that, uh, you know, the, the government is telling us the reason that we're doing this is yes. because of, uh, you know, clean air standards. Mm-hmm. We want uh, we want a clean environment. We don't want to uh, rely on foreign oil quite as much as we do. We want, um, you know, that, that equates to security. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of good reasons that are stated behind this, and that's the reason. Now, a lot of people will say that this also comes down to, well, it's another way to tax people. It's another way to get money out of them because you know, there's going to be um, all these new standards that, that we have to comply to, and that's going to lead to a lot of R&D on mm-hmm. the manufacturer side, and that's going to be passed along to us to the tune of, according to one estimate that I saw here, Ben, and I'm, I'm looking for my note right now. There it is. But it's um, <laughs> approximately, and this is just based on uh, the research estimates that, you know, this person, uh, Warner Todd Houston from, um, yeah, I'm going to have to find that in a minute where it's from, but um, add up to about $6,000 to the cost of every new car by 2025. What? Um, yeah, now that's an additional $6,000. Now the problem Buddy, I could buy a car for $6,000. Yeah, I know. That's the thing is that, you know, if you're looking for a lower end vehicle, if you're wanting to purchase a car, 
um, that's, you know, basically an economy car. Okay. It's going to be a super efficient economy car, but you're still going to end up paying money for the development of new technology in that car in order to mm-hmm. boost the miles per gallon somewhere down the road. You know, between now and 2025, they're going to pour a lot of money into certain programs to make it right. more advanced, more more efficient. Let's also put out there, though, this may not be money spent in vain. Mm-hmm. It is extra money no matter how, how you look at it mm-hmm. or what you – where you fall in this debate. But – the truth is there's also a strong possibility that this could drive innovation of new technology, meaning that it could make some vast improvements. Oh, it will. I, it, I have no doubt that it definitely will. This will, this will push people into um, advancements that you know they might not have made for several years down the road. Th- that same thing happens in times of war. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. you know, it's yeah. by necessity, right? Uh, it's by necessity or racing. Racing is another mm-hmm. instance. You know, it's, it's uh, you know – People invent by necessity, and, and oftentimes it has to be thought of right then. You know, the, we've got to have a fix right now. Let's, and then we'll develop it later. We'll we'll fine tune it. Just right now, let's get a solution. One, oh yeah. Oh, one more quick thing yeah. here, because we're talking about the cost of new cars, and and, and by twenty twenty five, and if we we're adding six thousand dollars per car, according to this estimate, um, wouldn't that just lead to people driving older? Use cars around. I mean, people hanging onto their cars because just today I was in the elevator and we have our uh, little screen that gives us updates on news, you know, news oh, yeah. briefs and things. Oh, wait, wait. We should tell our listeners. So in the elevator at How Stuff Works headquarters, uh, there's this little screen that comes on when you're, when you're in the, when you're actually in the elevator. And it seems like the entire purpose of this thing is to keep you from having to make any sort of small talk. That's right. It's a, it's a, uh, I don't know, conversation saver. Yeah, really. it's, it's weird. Yeah, because you just stand there and stare at the screen and get your, uh, you know, three or four updates while you go to your floor, and that's it. You learn words. Yeah, <laughs> words and acrimonious words <laughs> and numbers and weather and things like that. So you saw. So I, on I this. saw on this on this uh, readout today, you know, that says that just today, um, there's a survey out that says 54 percent of Americans are likely to not purchase a new vehicle right now because of the additional financial burden. Mm-hmm. And I could see that happening, especially if you know you're talking down the road here at another six thousand dollars per car average. Yeah, um, that's going to make people hang on to their older used cars longer. I would believe you know people are going to put more into maintenance of the older stuff, and that mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the new technology out there on the road. That's true. That's a really good point. And I have something that dovetails nicely with this. We're talking about how costs are passed on to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, which ultimately is going to happen. Let's talk about the penalties for companies that don't play ball. Ah, okay. So even, let's say, even if um, the Scott and Ben Auto Company has umpteen buku credits or whatever, and we have managed to play smart with those credits, we still don't comply with these standards, Mm -hmm. then our penalty is going to be something like $5.50 per tenth of an MPG under the target value times the total volume of those vehicles. And that's already 550 a pop for every tenth yeah. times the number of the fleet. So mm-hmm. that's going to get expensive. Yeah, but you quickly. know what? I'm going to tell you something. That mm-hmm. is a, according to most industry ex- experts, they say that's actually a low penalty. Yeah. That's a low penalty to pay for them. And when you're talking about industries that, you know they fluctuate in billions of dollars. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know profits versus versus loss. And I, I got to tell you, I I think that sound it sounds like an awful lot of money, but honestly, when when you're talking about the amount that they're gonna they're gonna pay for these fines, these penalties, 
I don't think it's really going to bother them that much. And there, a lot of people are, you know, the critics are saying, well, you know, with these these low penalties, mm. what's there what's there to gain from you know them them pushing to really exceed or meet these? these so limits? then there's not really enforcement. There there is enforcement. They do collect on these. It yeah, has been yeah. and it has been collected. It's been collected over the years, mm-hmm. but it's it's not strong enough or strict enough for some people's, um, you know. Preference, oh, I guess. They, I they say saying. that, you know, we need to really up that. Mm. Otherwise, they're just not going to comply because they'll pay that fine and not really think twice about it. Now, people, people probably already know that this sort of stuff is a controversial issue, mainly, I think, because it is regulation, but also because it touches on some very hot button issues mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. And yeah, because we're, we're talking about new technologies. Like mm-hmm. we're, this is this is the goal is to push people into advancements, and you know the the new electric cars, the new gas electric hybrids. Mm-hmm. You know all the different variations of that um, that come along, all the new technology. That's the goal behind this. And also, you know, the environment, of course, is also mentioned and, you know, do it for the children. That's always mentioned. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, Ben, I, I don't know if it's really, if it's, if, is it really working at this yeah. point? I just don't know. I mean, should we, should we leave that up to the listeners to call in and tell us or? Yeah, um, we should. And you know what though? Here's a little tidbit to, uh, impress and depress people. Uh, if you're talking about these penalties, the large domestic Manufacturers in the United States have never paid one. Hmm. No kidding. You no, know, it's uh, it's largely, I believe, uh, European manufacturers. So they have met or exceeded the cafe standards to date. Now with these new strict, uh, we'll see. That's ones. what I was going to say. Yeah. But with the credits, you never know. I mean, hey. these these uh, you know these special exceptions that are allowed. Mm. So there's there's actually the cafe, and then there's the actual cafe. Right. And okay, the actual cafe is what they're kind of more looking at, and that's what mm. they're saying. Well, maybe it's not so bad. Yeah, and I'm on. I'm kind of on that that side of it. I I don't think this is bad. Now, I a lot of times when we do top down legislation, we end up missing very important things, and we end up sometimes complicating things or making them inefficient. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's it's very strange. It's it's kind of difficult to figure out if the dog is wagging its tail or the tail is wagging its dog in some of these scenarios. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that there is involvement with something um, meant to push the or encourage the private industry to explore new technology. However, man, oh man, 54 miles per gallon? It's an awful lot. By 2025? It's, it's a tall order. It's ambitious. And, you know, some of the examples that you'll see have, you know, vehicles that uh, they gave like a, you know, um, Producer X creates five yeah. vehicles and, you know, four oh, yeah. of them, four of them are in this range and then mm-hmm. one gets, I think it was like a hundred miles per gallon, Ben. Yeah. And you think, well, man, that's, that's incredible. They, they're going to meet the standard. But when you average all that out, it doesn't even come close to meeting the 54.5. So, um, you know, think of it that way, this average and think about the, the volume of vehicles that we're talking mm-hmm. about. And, you know, companies like uh, Ford that put out, you know, the, the number one selling uh, well, number one selling vehicle in all the United States, which is the F-150, 50, yep. for how many years now? 30-some years, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, um, a, it's a good ride, though. Yeah, it is. It really is. And, you know, the other manufacturers that put out vehicles that they, they claim are small trucks, you know, that really aren't. But for fuel economy, they're uh, – rather. I'm sorry, how do, how do I get this? The uh, I think emissions, they're considered as cars. But then for fuel economy, they're considered light trucks. Ah. So there's a little bit of a trick there, you know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to – you know, a lot to digest in this, and yeah. there's no way that we're coming close to even getting all the details in, in any way. Sure. Um, 
it's it's tough to kind of wade through this with just this this announcement and you know the the mm-hmm. advancements that they are actually the um, the announcement that they've laid on top of this um, and and make it all make sense really. You need to kind of go back to the beginning and look from the very beginning at what they've done and the and the, the amounts through the years that they've the target rates. I guess yeah. it's probably the best way to say that. That's right? the best way to say it. Yeah. So. You really need to investigate it a little bit more and see if you agree with us or disagree with us. And, you know, cause I, you say that you understand why, why they're doing it. I, I understand why as well, but I, I tend to see it more as like an overreaching legislation, legislative move that, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe they, they just don't belong there. I just don't think that, um, you know, I think that we need to advance, of course. I think we need mm-hmm. to do better with what we have, but, um, I just don't think that government needs to, to push automakers into doing this at quite such a, a rapid rate because we're going to end up paying for it. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical as well because it seems like this may encourage uh, legislators, legislative uh, organizations as well to see an opportunity for political points in the short term. Mm-hmm. But it might not be the best thing in the long term to set up goals if they are not going to be met. You know, especially if it's because it, it it makes for a great headline, Scott. It yeah. makes for a great headline See, to say a, this kind of stuff. It's a tough part. You know, it's yeah. a tough thing because you do want them, want them to get there, of course. Right. It'd be great if everybody had an average corporate fuel economy of fifty four point five, wouldn't it? Yes. But I mean, that'd be great for consumers. But then would the cost of fuel go up? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things you got to uh, you got to take into consideration. I've got one more quick little number here yeah, if you yeah. want, because I've got a couple of numbers here that just kind of show you where. Uh, the mindset of the, the heads of Americans are right now. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, all this is coming out at the end of July, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I had the numbers um, through June of 2011, June this year. I don't have July numbers yet. Um, but get this. In the vehicles sold in, ju- in just June of 2011, the average mile per gallon rating of that vehicle, of all vehicles in the United States, 21.6 miles per gallon. Ouch. So that's significantly off of the 54.5 that they're searching for, right, in 2025. Now, what that means, though, is that people started buying larger cars and trucks once again after mm-hmm. remember the fuel cost went up above four dollars for a long time and even even higher than that almost five at and everybody point. wanted a mini exactly they all started to buy lower vehicle well smaller vehicles more fuel efficient but at the same time as as these numbers were taken this 21.6 average uh the cost of fuel was 358 across the united states oh wow okay. so the average fuel cost in june of 2011 was 358 um, and the average miles per gallon of every vehicle, every new vehicle sold is 21.6. So it shows you that, you know, just that little bit of drop in fuel economy makes people kind of regress back to, and I don't know if regress is right, but just go back. Yeah, they want to go back to the bigger vehicles that they like. They yeah. want the SUVs. They do want the larger cars. They want, mm-hmm. you know, something that's maybe a little more performance oriented that doesn't get the efficiency of a, of a compact car that might not be quite as much fun to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't have the, the cargo carrying ability. You know, things like that. I mean, I, and you know me, I'm a small car guy anyway. So yeah. I'm not trying to say anything bad about them, but, um, you know, people do like their big cars and, and this shows it. I mean, and if, but I think if gas were to go up another 42 cents, in that same time frame, mm-hmm. I bet you'd see that that average mile per gallon number would be much higher. Oh, yeah, definitely. I See, we all know that we're on the same page when it comes to fuel efficiency. Everybody wants more fuel-efficient vehicles. And most of the conflicts over these kind of issues center around the pursuit of that, mm-hmm. you know, the pursuit of that goal. How do we best do it? I'd be very interested, Scott, to hear what our listeners think about CAFE standards – 
uh, to hear also what kind of mile uh, per gallon measurement they have on their own vehicles. Because mm-hmm. you guys, we get some emails every so often with people talking about this. Oh, sure. Either whether it's hypermiling yeah. or if it's the uh, you know the old pickup truck in the driveway that gets three miles per gallon that yeah. they have to use you know to haul hay or something mm-hmm. like that. So um, yeah, I'd be interested to find out what people have out there as well. So whether you're a hardcore hypermiler or you have a uh, a work truck that just leaks gas somehow, you know, uh, not literally, but, you know, figuratively, yeah. yeah. Uh, write it, write to us and tell us about it. You guys know this is a part of the show where Scott and I point out that we have a Facebook page and we have a Twitter page, and we am I getting old? Is Twitter page the right thing to say? I don't know. We tweet. We tweet. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And uh, you can also check out our blog. You can learn more about fuel efficiency on our website, and you can send us an email directly at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.